Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. And so I, I may be stepping on, I'm going to abbreviate this maybe somewhat, but um, I may be stepping in, into some territory pastor was going to be ministering on, just in the sounds of some of the things that he was talking about on Sunday. Um, you know, we had a really, really great trip to California. God just really, just, uh, just some really excellent ministry. And, uh, you know, sometimes you sit in services and, and, uh, it's not that you're not paying attention to what's being said, but sometimes God's talking to you about some things that are being said. And so um, as I was sitting in one of the services last week, you know, I began to thank God for the iPad. You can just start writing all kinds of things down. And um, and as I, I sat there last week, you know, I, I began to see some uh, some things and about a particular area that I just want to talk to you about for just a few minutes. Um, you know, back during the summer... On a, on a Wednesday night, I was talking to you about hungering and thirsting. And, um, you know, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then Luke six twenty one says, Blessed are ye that hunger, now for you shall be filled. And, you know, I, I liken the fact that, that that hunger really applies to the word. You know, hunger is, is satisfied by something solid. Now, the word is what's solid in our lives. So when I talk about hunger, I'm, I'm usually talking about hungering for the word, something that's solid, something that, that will put meat on your bones, so to speak, something that will become a part of you. And thirsting, because water is, is a type of the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I like to think of thirsting after the things of God as thirsting from the Spirit of God to move. And I wrote this down last week. I said, to love the, to love the move of the Spirit is wonderful, but the love of the move of the Spirit is only effective to the degree that the Word is in you. It's only as effective as the degree of the word in you. You know, I've over the years have seen churches, I mean, back when the when the dad was doing Holy Ghost meetings, and there was so many times during a, a stretch of those meetings, and sometimes it was two weeks long, and, and he, he moved it down to just one week at times. And and you and about the same time he started those, the the laughing revival was kind of going on, if some of you remember that. And it was unfortunate that a lot of people went back to their local churches and expected those same kind of services every time they went to church. That doesn't happen. You know, and, and it's not designed that way. You know, they would go into, I, in fact, I know of a church that basically went down to nothing because the people expected there to be those kind of services every time they came together. And when it didn't, they went someplace where they felt, thought they could find that. But you know what? The Spirit by itself, you know, a, a move of the Spirit by, by itself won't sustain you in the hard times. Now, it will invigorate you. It'll put some things into you that you might not have gotten otherwise. But it's the Word that sustains us. You know, I, I I'm appreciate so many times the suddenlies that happen in a service. 
you know, that, that God moves by his spirit and something just happens. But I tell you what, I can always depend on the word where I can't depend on necessarily a moving of the spirit in a service because, you know, it's just not designed that way. Every service has a purpose. Every service has a plan. Sometimes that plan is for a demonstration of the spirit. Sometimes the plan for that service is just, it's just a teaching of the word. But you know what? It's nothing is going to be as as effective as it should be if it's outside the plan of God for that service. And many people got a, got a love of the moving of the spirit and it didn't produce stable, solid believers. It didn't. It produced a lot of flakiness. And yet, if you go with a place where there's only teaching all the time, you're missing the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a place for both of them to come together and to mingle, you know, and for one to complement the other, for one thing to, 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 to be a, um, an addition to what the other is, whether it's teaching or whether it's a move of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I got to looking at, at the fact that, in fact, I was writing this down during a service last week, you know, about the fact that you can be hungry and it accomplish nothing. You think, well, what are you talking about? Uh, go with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Verse 7. It said, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Well, what it has to do, as far as I'm concerned, it means that when you get hungry, That hunger has to be in such proportion that it propels you into some kind of action. Here it says, ask. There's some action going on. It says, seek. There's some action going on. Knock. There's some action going on. You know, I heard somebody put it like this. You're sitting there late at night. And you know, yeah, yeah, you're a little hungry, but you know, it's not that bad. Not that big a deal. And you see a TV commercial come on from the Dairy Queen. And there's this banana split being made. And they see this ice cream being put in there. And you see these little toppings go on. You put all these little syrups on it. And the nuts go on. The pineapple goes on. The cherry goes on. The whipped cream goes on. How many of you are going to Dairy Queen since church is over? And you sit there and suddenly... A hunger arises. Now, some people will sit there and go, man, I would love a banana split. And yet they sit right there. You see, there's some people who see some things in the word. They see some things by the spirit and they go, man, that looks great. I sure would like to have that. And yet there they sit. The person who is really hungry gets up and puts some action to what made that hunger come up. If that means going in your jammies with your bedroom slippers on 
and no makeup and your hair all crazy, that's what it means. I mean, you're going through the drive-thru after all. Who cares what it looks like, right? <laughs> Has anybody ever been there or you got up and you got out and you went and got something, you know, when, you know, you weren't really dressed for it, but what was on the inside of you was so great that it demanded some action. See, that's the place we're going to have to get to. In these last days, we're going to have to get to a place where we're so hungry, we're so thirsty, that we're going to have to get up and do some things. Not just sit back and say, wow, I I really would love to see that. I would really love to see a move of God. I would really love to see people come to the Lord. I would love to see this. I would love to see that. But there's some action that can be taken on. If we're hungry enough, it's going to compel us to some kind of of action. You know, my, my sweet husband's there are times when he goes home and I'm still here and he'll be home and he'll be home. And I'm thinking, okay, I know I've been here a long time. Surely he's found himself something to eat. Surely he has. And I'll get home and I'll walk in the door and suddenly he's hungry. Now, if you're a woman, what does that interpret interpretation come across as? Okay. Uh, but all along he knew he was a little hungry, but he just didn't get up and do anything about it. The same stuff was in the kitchen when he was there by himself as it was when I walked in the door. But suddenly, you know, it was like, you know, you know, now it's compelling. It wasn't compelling enough to do something about it before, but now it's compelling. Don't let him hear this, this CD. I promise you. <laughs> But you know what? what? What I came back to was that our, our foremost and primary responsibility when it comes to this action is prayer. It's got to become prayer. You know, um, prayer affects so many things, you know, in the life of a church. Not just your personal life, but in the life of a church. I heard, heard it said like this, Sunday a.m., you see how popular the church is. On Sunday p.m., you see how popular the pastor is. And on prayer service night, you see how popular Jesus is. I thought, say that again, because I wrote it down. And so that's, that's what I had. You know, a lot of people come to church on Sunday morning just because it's the thing to do on Sunday morning. Now, the ones who are hungrier for the word come back on Sunday night, except for the ones who find out that somebody else is speaking that they don't really care for. Amen. But on, on prayer night, you're only coming just because you're here to pray. There's nothing that draws you to prayer except a desire to pray. And see, we have to get to the and, and, and I'm not saying that because I think, you know, I'm getting on anybody about not coming to prayer on Monday nights. I'm saying it because we all have times when we can be here. We all have times when, you know, there's reasons why we can't be here. This past Wednesday, uh, Monday night, you know, I was babysitting, so both Pastor Greg and Pat Miss Amy could be here at prayer and uh, t- taking care of, of their kids. But see, as they're getting older, they're going to start coming to prayer too. You know, I appreciate, you know, people like Joby and Brittany who bring little ones. You know, they're not having to get up the next morning and go to school. You know, so they just bring them in. It's not going to kill them to be up because they're only up until 8 o'clock. So what if they, if I hear some noise in the back? I don't care. You know, God doesn't, it's not bothering him, you know, for, for little ones, you know, just to be, you know, making some noise and playing, you know. And 
you know, getting, getting a little carried away sometimes. It's not that big, big a deal. We're here to pray. I never saw that prayer was interfered with by a child, you know, making some noise. So I appreciate the fact that they bring them. Now I realize, you know, you got school age kids or you got, they've got some activities got to be into. That's one thing, you know, but you know, if you're looking for an excuse, you can always find one not to be here. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, when you get a hunger for those things, it'll move you to take action to make sure that you're here. When it's time to pray, to let's pray. Because what happens in a service, you know, we come and we pray on, on Monday nights for this church, for this body. You know, there's plenty of time outside of that particular hour to pray for other things. But for that one hour, you know, prayer is made concerning this church, the vision of this church, and how we will affect lives of people that we come in contact with as a church body. And, um, you know, one of the things I know that we pray for you know, when it comes to praying for the church, you know, and I think Pastor mentioned it on Sunday, he just got into the edge of some things, is, is praying for your pastor, praying for whoever's going, praying for whoever's going to be in the pulpit. You know, Charles Spurgeon was once asked, you know, what, what he attributed his success to, and he said he attributed his success to the fact that his congregation prayed for him. Mm-hmm. They prayed for him. Amy Simple McPherson had a group of people praying in her church 24 hours a day. And I've never seen Angela's Temple. And one day when we get out to California, I'd like to take a day and go up and see it because they tell me it's a spectacular building even today. It was the first dome-shaped building to ever be built, I think, in the United States. And um, she she got a hold of of the fact that, that prayer had to be made because... For, a, for any minister to get into a pulpit, prayer should have been made for them, you know, already. And uh, I, I read a story that, that somebody was taking a tour of Angela's Temple, and the person who was leading the tour asked them if they wanted to see the, uh, the boiler room. And they thought, well, you know, why do I want to go see a boiler room? And so they said, well, okay, sure. I didn't know what was so spectacular about a boiler room. So they... So they said yes, and so the, the guide took them to this, and they opened this door, and it was a room of people praying. That was what they called their boiler room. That's where the fuel was coming from. That's where the heat was coming from, for that building. And in Angela's Temple, the, the place where the prayer was going on was directly underneath where the minister stood. Directly underneath. You know, so that whoever stood there knew that they were being lifted up in prayer. There was somebody praying while they were ministering. So whoever was standing there knew that they were being prayed for. Prayer was upholding them, undergirding them, lifting them up during the entire service. Don't you think that made a difference? I tell you what, if you could go to Angela's Temple and you could go into their storage area, you would see crutches and wheelchairs and all kinds of of leg apparatuses and stuff that were left behind by people who were healed. It wasn't accidental. You know, no man who stands in the pulpit is successful by and in and of himself. And in fact, as far as I'm concerned, 
successful in the pulpit is not measured in how excited a congregation gets during a message, but how much that message impacts and changes the lives of the people who hear it. You know, it makes, it makes no difference for somebody just to come and to sit and to hear it if there's not going to be change from it. That's what it's all about. You know, none of us have arrived. None of us know everything. But for the person standing in the pulpit, they have a responsibility to get before God for themselves. For the person in the pew, it's your responsibility to get before God so that you can hear what needs to be heard. You know, there's as much prayer that should go forth for the listener as for the giver of the message that's being given. Because we need to have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And then the desire to put it into practice, what we've heard. You know, there are people who go to church today, and they, then they come and they go, and that was great, that was fun, that was a great entertaining service. I mean, that was really interesting. But does it change you? It can be funny and change you. It can be serious and change you. Any, any realm of emotion, any realm of, of delivery can be effective in its changing of us as we go through our lives. That's what success is. is, it, is it, has a service been successful or not? Did it lead people to change? You know, I, I have said, I've, I've just over the years, you, know, you, can, you can look out and you can say, well, it's, so bad. it's too bad so-and-so wasn't here tonight because that message was just for them. It's too bad so-and-so wasn't here tonight because that move of the Spirit was just for them. They could have gotten so much out of it. You know, but if you can't get people hungry enough to come. And see, I can't be hungry for somebody. You can't be hungry for somebody. We can pray. For them, the eyes of their understanding. And then that we spent several weeks on the Pauline prayers, praying the kind of prayers that Paul prayed for people and over people, so that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would come to know the hope of their calling, so that their eyes would be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Those are all things we find in the Word. And, you know, the more people pray, the more results we're going to see, not only out of the pulpit, but out of the listeners. Amen? You know, it's impossible, as far as I'm concerned, for for me to spend time in prayer about a service and not come away changed. If I put my sincerity, sincerely my whole heart, into praying for a service, I know I have prayed out the plan that God has for that service. I know I have prayed so that the minister, whoever's in the pulpit, is anointed to speak exactly what they need to say. And I have prayed for myself even, that I go away having heard what I needed to hear from it. You know, in Ephesians, well, no, in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10, it talks about being that we're, um, well, let's just go there. It makes more sense if you read it, I think. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Paul was writing this. He said, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, 
as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds their own. But let every man take heed how he builds their own. Listen, I think it's the Amplified Bible. It says that I am, it says, we're, which is uh, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder. In the Amplified, it says, as an architect and master builder. You know, an architect lays out the plans, and somebody else then, uh, this verse says, comes along and builds their own. You know, it's up to us to, to take the foundation that's given to us when we come to church and to be wise in how we build on it. It's up to me how I build on what I've heard. You know, and, and I have, I've had to, had to be reminded many times that, you know, as anybody who stands in a pulpit can tell you we're responsible to put out what God puts on our heart. But it's my responsibility ends there. Now it becomes the responsibility of the hearer to do something with it. You know, when we can sit in a service anytime and sit here and we hear it, but we're not really taking it in. We can walk out and say, well, what did he talk about today? And you can kind of quote, but did we really hear what was being said? Did the Holy Spirit have the opportunity to really talk to you down in here? You know, it, it makes a difference. You know, when a, when a minister gets in the pulpit in Ephesians 6, and pastors have talked about this on Sunday morning, he said, pray for me that boldness, that utterance may be given to me, and boldness, that I may open my mouth boldly. Listen, utterance comes as a result not just of being something that's being studied out, but it comes, that kind of divine utterance comes as a result as, of some divine inspiration from the moving of the Holy Spirit on the inside, coupling with the study that's been done in the Word for that service. It's got to be accompanied with some inspiration. Otherwise, it's just a lecture. Just a lecture. And too many people have gone to church for too many years, and they came out having heard a lecture. Because there was nothing inspired about it. There was nothing divinely orchestrated about it. There was no anointing on it. How many times have you heard a choir sing? And I'm telling you what, the anointing of God just filled the place. They may not have been the best choir in the world, but there's an anointing that came in. And yet you can turn on the TV and see some choirs that are singing a beautiful song, not of a bit of anointing on it. Not a bit. It's a beautiful song. No anointing. None. Some of today's music, it's all very poetic. It's all very pretty. But there is no anointing on it at all. It has to come. There has to be something divine that comes out. Some kind of divine inspiration that comes along with what someone has prepared for it to really be effective. So that's, you know, you need to keep that in mind when you're praying for somebody to have utterance in the pulpit. And then secondly in that verse, it was that I may open my mouth boldly. Listen, if it were easy to deliver what needs to be delivered, you wouldn't need boldness. Sometimes things have to be said from the pulpit that aren't, um, you know aren't going to be as palatable to people as they would like it to be. It's like making you eat your spinach. When you'd rather be eating my favorite cheesecake. 
You know, no, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to eat that. And sometimes it has to be things, certain things have to be said. Listen, for us to grow, we're not always going to be comfortable with it. You know, I remember growing up, you know, my mom, I, used, I know I used to lay in bed when I was probably eight, nine years old, and I would just cry because my legs hurt so bad. My mama would come in and she'd rub my legs, and it was growing pains. Listen, sometimes they're here to step on your toes, and sometimes they're here just to rub those legs because the growing pains are, are hurting. You know, tell you, it's going to be okay. It's going to feel better soon. But you know what? That's a response to growing. If you're having some growing pains, that means you are growing. Some people just say, uh-uh, not going to do it. And they go away, and they feel fine. You know, there's no uncomfortableness in it because they didn't receive it. So they can just go on their merry way. But for those of you who take it in and say, I want to put this into practice in my life, sometimes it's going to ouch a little bit. And the person who's in the pulpit should be bold enough to say what needs to be said, when it needs to be said, whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not. I just recently heard somebody say something that went like this. If what's being said from the pulpit offends you, then that's a growth area. And then you can decide what you're going to do with it. If it kind of tweaks you down here, that means it's something you need to work on. It means in that area, you got some growing to do. I know y'all are quiet tonight. Must be making an impact. In 2 Thessalonians, it, go over there. Pastor didn't get to this on, on Sunday, but I suspect he might. But you know what? It just comes out a different way when, it, when somebody else says it. And it, and it doesn't hurt repeating it. So if he gets into this verse, that's all right. Second Thessalonians 3, 1. It says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is in you. You know, I've got written in here along this line, it says, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. It says, may go forward unhindered. Well, what hinders things from going? What hinders the word from going forward? Well, the fact that people don't want to receive it, for one. They've got a different way of thinking. They've got a different way of looking at things. They've got a different opinion. They've got a different attitude. They've got some rebellion in them. The word can't go forth unhindered in your life with attitude. In there. So, you know, we want the word to go forth unhindered. That's when it has its free course. Another translation says that it may run its course triumphantly. See, the whole purpose is not to get on somebody's case, it's so that you may come to a more victorious place in life, so that you may understand who you are, what you have, and what you can do. See, that's the whole premise of the Pauline revelation is who you are, what you have, and what you can do. And that's, that's the whole point of it. And then that the word may be glorified. Listen, there's a lot of preachers who get up in the pulpit, you know, and it's like a rock star kind of a thing. 
Listen, anybody who points to anything other than God, the word's not glorified. You need, to be, you need to be careful. There's a lot of what I call operators out there in the Christian realm today. You know, and be careful who you listen to. Be mindful of, mindful of the fact that the word is or is not being glorified. The word, not how they deliver the word, not how gifted they are in oratory, but whether the word is being glorified. You know, and it can be disguised and, and put in such terms that, that you are not aware of the subtleties of the fact that it's not really the word that's being lifted up. It's a person who's lifting themselves up. Listen to this, this, this inner man. Listen to this inner man. See what he's got to say about it. And so, you know, I'm just going to just leave you with that. It's, it's time for us to be so hungry that we are called to action. You know, and um, action starts with prayer. It really does. You know, we've seen, we saw the beginnings of prayer revival here in the church several years, what, six, six years ago? And it's, and, it's, and it's been just an ongoing thing, waned a little here and there. But you know what? It's time for us, because of the times that we live, live in, for prayer to take an upward swing. And when it does, everything else is going to take an upward swing with it. Because God's not a man that he should lie. Whatever we sow, we will reap. You know, and we don't need to get to a place where we're, we grow weary or we think that, you know, well, we've prayed a long time and we haven't seen much. We've seen more than you understand we've seen. I believe I'm looking at a very different church than I saw six years ago because of prayer. There's been an uptick in your lives in so many areas that you are walking in a greater realm, in a greater place, a greater level now than what you did six years ago. There's been an increase in the, in the anointing in services, not only from the spoken word, but just from a demonstration of the spirit stance. You know, we've seen, but you know what? There's so much more, so much more. We're just tapping into it. We can't afford to get satisfied down here on this level. But we have to make sure that we stay in a place where we're continually seeking. There's a continual action to knowing that there's more out there for us to attain. There's more for us that God has that he just wants to share with us. I used to get so frustrated when Dad Hagen would say, there's more, I've got more to share with you, but you're not ready for it. Never should we find ourselves in a place... You know, where, where we get to, where we get to a place where God says, I got more to share, but you're not ready for it. When I could have been ready. You know, there are times when you know that a child's not ready to take on this task, but it's just because they haven't grown up enough. And so you don't ask that of them. But when they're up here, you know, you just go, I, well, I, I, I can't get you to do this because, you know, you won't listen. That's not good. Listen, we need to get to a place where we're continuing to walk onward and upward in the things of God and that we're ready to, for him to share with us what we, can, what we can take in on the level we're at, but knowing there's always more. 
He's always got more. He's always got fresh things, new things, greater things, deeper things for us. And the only way we're going to attain it is we keep on growing. And the only way we're going to keep on growing in the things of God is to continually seek, to continually have a hunger for those things. You know, and to press on, to press in, and to press forward. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Thank you. It's good to be home with you. Well, I know we're missing a lot of people. Now, you know, one Wednesday night, I'm going to come in here. We're going to rope off the entire back. So you have to all sit down front with me. I think y'all are allergic to this front area. Look at this. We're going to rope off the back rows and say, no, you can't sit there. You think I'm kidding? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not. Love you guys. Amen. I'm, I know this wasn't a shouting message, but you can still shout. You know, on the way out, that, that God's working in you and that, uh, you know, this becomes real to you. Amen. Because it'll profit you. And that's the point of it. It's profiting for you, for the body of Christ at large, for this church, you know, and for the people that you're going to come in contact with. It's profit. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.